unless you've been in a tornado this week, which maybe you have been, uh, you probably know that our former president, Donald Trump, was indicted by a New York prosecutor. This marks the first time a former president was charged with a crime. As I said, we're not going to talk politics today. I want to talk legality strictly. What will the charges be? What happens next? And with us to discuss this is one of Chicago's most accomplished civil and criminal attorneys and a friend of WGN, Renato Mariotti. He's a former federal prosecutor uh, with the U.S. Attorney's Office. He's a partner in the firm of Brian Cave, Leighton Paisner, and co-host of a podcast called It's Complicated. He also writes for Politico, and he's on WGN and CNN, which is where he's heading actually after he does my show. Welcome to the show, Renato. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. You've done a lot of commentary this week, I would imagine. Indeed, yes. It's (laughs) been insane. An insane time. Well, it's a a historic event, um, and I I really try very hard to be very measured in my commentary because there's a lot of sort of hyperbole out there. There's also just a lot of, like, political posturing, and I try to stay away from that. I I totally agree with you, Renato, because... You know, as a lawyer, like I feel like what I can weigh in on is the legalities. And given my experience and, you know, what happened in the past and knowing the law and having gone to law school and practiced law for 35 years, but I don't want to, I don't want to talk politics. Leave that to other people because other people that, you know, you know, whether, whether this is going to help or hurt his election, you know, I can't weigh in on that. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. But uh, today we're going to talk strictly legal. So what would you, guess and speculate the char- actual charges would be as as my listeners probably know there have not we do we do not know what the charges are what do you think they're going to be when they are uh unsealed yeah so that's an important point uh that i want to emphasize here obviously we are we are making our giving you our best guess based on public reporting but we have not seen the indictment yet. That won't happen until Tuesday. Um, look, I, you know, in the state of New York, there is a crime uh, related to falsification of business records, um, something that is not a crime federally, but is a crime in New York State. It is generally a misdemeanor. However, it becomes a felony when it is uh, when those false business records are made in the, with the intent to defraud and in furtherance of another crime. And that is... Um, that is what I expect to see here. So then the question is, what is that other crime? We've seen a lot of discussion about that. You know, most of the discussion is centered around campaign finance crimes because there was a New York Times report that suggested that campaign finance crimes would be part of the indictment uh, as sort of the underlying crime for the tax fraud count. One thing I would or excuse me, for the um, uh, falsification of business record counts, you know, one point I just want to make is that the New York Times sources may very well be from the defense. Like we don't know, you know, maybe Trump's lawyers or others. It's not clear who their sources are. And so just because that's the speculation doesn't mean that's the reality. I think another possibility is, you know, there are New York's tax fraud charges that could apply, including a misdemeanor um, that requires some sort of fraudulent tax act. So if you, you, know, you could essentially have, if you do, what would otherwise be a misdemeanor and furtherance of a misdemeanor could actually end up being a felony under New York law. But it would be the lowest class of felony, I think a class five felony, but it would be a felony nonetheless. Now, you were a prosecutor, and, um, you know, there are, a, there are a lot of people saying this is a political prosecution. Um, I, I, do you agree, Renato, that there are probably thousands of Americans who may miscategorize expenses to circumvent 
say, tax laws, because most of us don't aren't subject to campaign laws. And they're not prosecuted, right? Maybe you're audited. Maybe you have to pay penalties when the IRS comes in and finds those things. Is it is it fair to say that this is an unusual prosecution for this type of miscategorization or falsification of business records? Oh, that's a that's a really interesting question. I mean, first of all, I'm cautious about it. Like I said up front, I mean, I I think anyone who has very strong feelings about an indictment that they haven't read yet. Uh, is problematic. Like, I think, every, you know, if you're listening to this, you should discount people who are already attacking the prosecution that they know nothing about. We don't know what the indictment is. We don't know what the evidence is. I think that if this was a campaign finance case, I would regard it as very unusual, okay? In other words, you know, usually the sort of hush money payments uh, as a campaign finance violation is a very rare sort of prosecution, if it's a tax uh, case, I think it really depends on the details of it. I mean, yes, as you point out, there are lots and lots of people who commit tax, who, first of all, engage in questionable activity regarding the taxes. And there, and there are a subset of those people who engage in tax crimes and don't get caught, right? I mean, it, I think it's fair to say a very small fraction of the people who cheat the system and running taxes are actually punished. It's a very low percentage. But I don't really have a problem with the government uh, punishing tax criminals. And typically, they actually target, they go out of their way, the government does, to ta- to go after high-profile people because that gets them more bang for their buck. Um, it scares more people into paying their taxes if right. somebody famous does it. And so I, I guess I feel very differently about a tax case, and that's why I'm being cautious about my my approach and my commentary here. Um, I also think the evidence could be considerably stronger if it's a tax case because, to me, the fact that this payment to a foreign star is being characterized as a payment for legal services, that's more compelling as a tax case because it's just you could understand why they would do that. It's less clear to me why the campaign finance connection. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of have an open mind about it. In that Renato, you know, again, we're all speculating because we don't know the exact charges, but I would imagine that he would have a good argument that he was surrounded by professionals, that here he is, Donald Trump, he's an important guy, mm-hmm. he has all these financial things up in the air, golf courses and casinos, and, you know, he's running for president, and he has a CFO, who uh, I think pled guilty, and he has lawyers who pled guilty, right. and he has see you know accountants. I mean, is that a defense that he can rely upon the advice of his professionals? So I, I'll just say I, I have prosecuted and defended many clients uh, for violating federal tax laws. I've also uh, defended clients who facing uh, tax cases here in Illinois, and in both of those circumstances, there's a higher bar that needs to be proven of of willfulness. In other words, the person actually had to know what they were doing was unlawful. Now, that's a protection that we have because the tax laws are arcane, and the idea is that you 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 only want to punish people who really were trying to cheat the system versus, you know, having some other purpose. Um, And often the defense there is, yes, they relied on their accountants and so on, although it, Karen, it won't surprise you to learn that the accountants usually come in and they sit, they point the, the finger at the client and say, "We had no idea that anything here was false," and you know, we he he's he's behind the whole thing. 
But, you know, one thing I will say is I, I have a lot of humility about what I don't know. And I've spent a lot of time over the past few days in my spare time talking to friends of mine who practice criminal law in New York. And, you know, one thing they tell me is that there is the New York tax fraud misdemeanor, you know, requires some kind of fraudulent tax act, but they made the standards for that seem fairly low. Like you just, you don't need to actually go forward with the, with the tax fraud. It, it can be just an incentive to commit it and so on. And so while there seems to be a number of open questions under New York law, and I think you know, very well may be at the end of the day, it may be a questionable prosecution from that perspective, like, I think I'm not, I'm not comfortable saying definitively that um, that he will be able to use that defense trial. Now, we all know that there are other potential charges out there, Mar-a-Lago classified documents, election interference in Georgia, January 6th uh, incitement of violence, and, and maybe other fraud relating to the Trump organization um, that he might have been involved in. I, I don't know if that's still uh, up in the air. But would you say that this one that we have we're dealing with now this is the least serious of all of those potential charges so if we act just based on what we know now because we obviously don't know uh, about all you know everything about all of these it sure looks like the weakest case um you know that because for a number of reasons but but I, you know, the Mar-a-Lago case is very straightforward and a very serious matter. The January 6th behavior by Trump was very unusual, and it's, it's got a certain, a certain weight to it, given that, sort of how grave um, the consequences were for our country and what happened and so on, the potential to try to overturn our, the results of our election and obviously a, a, a very violent assault on the Capitol. Um, but, you know, one thing I talked about, I have a column in Politico. The one thing I talked about in my column this week is, at least in my experience, as somebody who uh, defends uh, criminal cases and has defended cases where, uh, defended clients who have criminal cases in multiple jurisdictions, when you are facing this many criminal cases, it kind of has a multiplier effect. Like, even if this Manhattan case turns out to be very weak, it's going to make Trump's uh, legal team work very, very hard because... While the prosecutors are going to be focused like a laser on you know proving their charges, Trump's team not only has to think about the best move in that case, but they have to think about how their moves in the Manhattan case impact the Fulton County case, or the obstruction case, uh, or, or excuse me, the uh, the, the Mar-a-Lago case, or the um, January 6th case, and so on. And so it just it's like playing hard. Uh, criminal defense in hard mode. You're trying to do a three-dimensional chess while the prosecutors get to just play checkers. We have just a minute, and I want you to walk us through, okay, you've done this as a prosecutor, you've done this as a criminal defense lawyer. Uh, Trump has an appointment with the prosecutor. They walk in, there's going to be security. Tell me what Trump has to do on Tuesday to get processed. Sure. He's going to, he's definitely going to get fingerprinted. For fingerprinted, he's going to have to answer a bunch of routine questions, and he will not be able to take the fifth regarding those questions. Um, things like where he lives and his age and you know, all sorts of stuff like that, date of birth. Uh, and then, you know, he will appear in a Manhattan courthouse. Um, he is going to plead not guilty. Every Everyone in this situation does. Um, he will have to stand there and, you know, be, you know, be told his rights and be told by the judge uh, what charges he faces. Um, and then, you know, he will be free to leave um, under New York law. Uh, a defendant cannot be um, held 
you know, for this type of crime. Um, but uh, there will be, you know, dates set by the judge for upcoming motions, discovery, things like that. Renato Mariotti, thank you so much for jumping in today and joining us. Uh, good luck on CNN later this afternoon. And if people want to read your blog or get in contact with you, how would they do that? Sure. Well, you can definitely read on uh, Politico. You can definitely uh, check out my my column there. I'm the legal affairs columnist there. You can also go to uh, Twitter. I'm Renato, R-E-N-A-T-O underscore Mariotti, uh, M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I on Twitter. And of course, uh, you can follow me uh, in a variety of other places and, and see me on television about half an hour. From <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. And break a leg. <laughs> thank you. All right. Take care.